John chapter 2. Praise God. John chapter 2. Ah. In doing this message this morning, let me just give us a little context here. John chapter 2. In verse 1, give me the King James translation. KJV. John chapter 2, verse 1. Thank you. Look at what it says. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, I just want to use this to set the stage for the rest of this message. And today I'm speaking on the miracle at Cana of Galilee. Whenever you are reading the scriptures and you see a chapter begin with this word and, immediately you must know that there are some preceding information and facts that relate to what you are about to read. Now, in the newer translations, of course, it omitted that word end. But that's a biggie. Because for you and I to fully understand what John set out to do, it's important to understand the whole context of his revelation. Therefore, we'll be able to be fully established in what God is saying to us. So, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So, because there's an and in this John 2, 1, I have to go back first in order to go forward. Now, John explains to us very clearly the purpose, not only of his writing, but also what he's hoping to accomplish through giving us specific acts of Jesus. Miracles. Go to John 2, 11. You can go back to the New King James now. John 2, 11. It says, John 2, verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and his disciples believed in him. Okay? Now go back with me now to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Verses 30 and 31. So we saw in John 2, 11 that the message we are on this morning the miracle in Cana of Galilee was the very first miracle that Jesus performed in his earthly ministry. The very first one. And that through that miracle his disciples believed in him. Now in John 20 verse 30 we read, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The word that came to us during worship could not be more appropriate. That God is releasing his life. Because when the life of God comes into any place or situation or circumstance, it changes the equation completely. Now, the reason I'm going this way to establish this context is because I don't want us to miss the import of what God is doing and saying to us. In John chapter one, 9, on chapter 1, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, from verses 1 through 18, we see the introduction of who Jesus is. The introduction. And then from verses 19 onwards, John begins to allow us to see into the Judaism religion, the religion of the Jews, how it began to fail. And was passing away. In fact, first of all, in John 1 17, the Bible says, The law came by Moses, and that grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we begin to see a transition here. Something is happening. We've introduced who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Introduction. Now, through Moses, the law came. But this Jesus we just introduced to you, he brought in grace and truth. And then the Pharisees and the scribes sent messengers to John the Baptist. Wait a minute. Are you the one? Or is there another one? If you are not the one, who are you? What is your role? What are you doing? So there's a confusion in this stage. There's a, there's a problem among the Jews, among the Pharisees, among the tribes. They are not fully able to place the new thing that God was about to do. Their religion of old, the law, was passing away, fading away, while grace was being gradually introduced. Are you following me? This is critical. These passages at the transitional moment of the passing away of the law and the introduction of the grace in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, in verse 13, he said the law and the prophets prophesied until who? John. Huge. We just had some graduates yesterday. Most of you are learned. When somebody says until, what does it mean? The law and the prophets prophesied until John. Up to John. John is the end of the law and what the prophet said. Do re mi fa sol ti do. I don't know if you guys are getting what I'm saying to you. In Luke 16, 16, Jesus came back and said it again. 
the law and the prophets are until John. Because this John, who is the last carrier of the Old Testament message and the last prophet standing before Jesus comes into being, is the one that's now giving us the platform to introduce Jesus' ministry. In Matthew chapter 17, we are taken to the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus appeared, Moses and Elijah on each side of him. What happened? There was an announcement from heaven because Peter was getting carried away as many of us do. Wow! I've read of Elijah. Here he is. Whoa! I've read of Moses. My goodness! Let us build us three tabernacles! He was getting carried away as to looking at Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And God had to speak from heaven. And said very simply, this is my beloved son. Hear you him. Not Moses. Not Elijah. I'm taking the time to belabor the point because you need to understand that what we are about to read and dive into is grace personified. Hebrews 1, 1. Let me read that one and then we can move into the rest of the message. Hebrews 1, 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, verse 2, has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed here for all things through whom also he made the world. So where are you getting your revelation from? Your dreams, your visions, your prophetic utterance. Everything we read and see and hear today must go through Jesus for it to be valid. It has to. Because God is only speaking by his son. No other person. No other entity. No other person. Jesus is the final combination, complete revelation of God's conversation, communication with mankind. It's all about Jesus, folks. Now, without understanding, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. From verse 1. John 2 verse 1. Man, I need to pray for these guys on this uh, computer back there. I need to pray for some speed acceleration. Acceleration to them in Jesus' name. My God, they can make you lose the Holy Ghost. Praise God. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. and, And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, now let's begin to look at some observations based on what happened in Cana. First thing I want us to see was Jesus did not crash the party. You didn't hear me. I said Jesus did not get crash the party. 
He was invited. Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if anybody will open, I will come in and sup with him. The point I'm making to you this morning is, Jesus is a Jesus, a God of all possibilities. There is nothing happening in your life, my life. There's nothing happening out there that Jesus does not already have the answer for. The only thing about him is, he's a gentleman. He's waiting to be invited into your situation. All you have to do is just call on his name. There used to be an old Pentecostal song. They used to say, Jesus on the main line. Call him now if you want. Jesus on the main line. Call him now when you want. Jesus, anyway. You, you can tell that singing is not, my, it's not, it's not my gift at all. But the point is this. Jesus is passing by all around you. And he's just waiting for your invitation to be invited into the situation, the circumstance, the problem, and he offers the solution. Yes. He was invited. Now, I don't want us to miss the opportunity to understand how Jesus, the grace person, contrasts himself with John the Baptist, who was the last of the law standing. Jesus was sociable. They invited him to a wedding and he showed up. John the Baptist, on the other hand, who represented the last person under the law, because remember, the law and the prophets prophesied until John. He represented that old order and John the Baptist's life was not that one that was very sociable. He lived in the wilderness, ate wild locusts, and grasshoppers. He was a monk, if you will. This is, this is huge. Because there are those that think Jesus represents long face, sadness, you have to be a holy roller, and you can't have life, you can't have fun, you can't enjoy yourself. Absolutely not. Jesus, the very first appearance in the public ministry, was not in the wilderness, but at a wedding reception. Thereby putting his signature on the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. Not Steve and Steve or Eve and Eve, but Adam and Eve, Bank and Sharon and the likes. A singer appearing at a wedding. That's number one. It has to be invited. Have you invited Jesus to your, to your problems? Or do you think your problems are too minute, too menial, too small for Jesus to be concerned about them? Because if care is not taken, we are Mr. or Mrs. Fixer in certain places. And then when it's too hard or too tough, they will say, ah, okay, Jesus, you are there. Let me take you off the shelf. Come and tackle this one. No, it's not like that. He wants to have a free course in your entire life. He does not want any part of our lives to be shoved away from him. Remember, he made your life. He's the author and the finisher of it. 
The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, including you and I. He wants to be involved. Invite him. Now, number two observation here. At this wedding, and this is in verse 3, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Oh, 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 oh. First of all, for those of us that went to all these graduation celebrations yesterday, can you imagine, as we're rejoicing over the graduates, they run out of water, soda, fried rice, chicken, fish, plantains, and all the other nice things that were there. Can you imagine if they ran out? What would you be saying this morning? You'll be saying this morning, the next time Mr. And Mrs. So and so invites me, I'm going to bring my lunch back. For the Jewish community, this is huge. Having a wedding, you run out of wine. Now, I'm going to decode for you what that wine represents in a minute. But before I get there, I want you to know that every challenge, every lack in your life is an opportunity for God to show up. Every time something breaks in your life, in your house, on your business, in your ministry. Every time something goes wrong, it's an opportunity for Jesus' invitation. And when it comes at the invitation, it brings solutions. Just so you know. We put this screen on the back screen two weeks ago, two Sundays ago. We came here last Sunday. We were all excited. Wow, look at what God is doing. Out of that excitement, many of you are motivated to say, you know what? We want to do the same for upfront. We made a call. We ordered the TVs. Wednesday morning, they arrived. Amazon had enough sense to say, you know what? Before we deliver them and you sign off on them, we're going to test them. Two TVs delivered, two TVs tested. One worked, the other one didn't. So they carried the one that's not working, took it away. So Revelation said, now what do we do? Because we've given the word that this next Sunday, we're going to have both of them working. Call around, found a solution, ordered the replacement, arrived yesterday morning, 8 a.m. You've not heard the rest of the story. The installer told us, that whenever the replacement TV got back here, he would come on Saturday and install both of them all at one time. Good deal. 8.24 a.m. yesterday morning, I woke up, I called Sam Show with me. I wanted to know, was it Revelation? I don't know who I called. Are the TVs in? They said, yes, but. I said, what's the but? They said, the installer said, uh, his wife is going to a conference. He has to be busy four children and on and on. It took him nine hours to do the first one. He would not be able to finish this. And therefore, there will be no installation until Monday. True story. Now, why am I sharing this story? I'm happy to understand when things don't work, God's looking to do something. Yes. Yes. I want you to understand that what's happening to us as a body is what's happening to you as a person. There is a direct correlation between what you are hearing 
what's happening within the local body, corporately, cooperatively, and what happens in your house. So by 9 o'clock, 9.30, the decision had been made that we'll wait till next week. I got brother Alex. I said, not so quick. You are telling me that it's the only one person in Georgia that can install TVs? He said, well, the other person that we had, he came and looked, but never responded to texts or emails. So I told him, I said, keep on walking. That's right. And tried. And tried. Sammy Badaki got involved. Some showed me. Alex. All of them. Calling all over the place. As of 4 p.m. yesterday, no answer. No solution. I don't know if you heard what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Mary said they have no wine. I don't know what you are lacking right now in your life. For which the enemy has given you a final answer. Impossible. I'm saying to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, every impossibility in your life is subject to change. Who created the devil? At best, he was a created being. And if he was created, someone created him. And that someone has the answer to decode him and put him in his place. So through the collaborative efforts of Alex, Sammy, Revelation, and Sam Shumi, while I was going from one graduation reception to the other, I came to learn that late in the night, they found an angel installer who came to the premises and looked at the complexity of the installation and said to them, oh, there's better technology. And through the advice and the efforts of all the people together, they came with the solution, which you are now seeing with your own eyes. Not only are the two TV monitors installed, the central overhead is also working. And the technology that was introduced took less time and saved us thousands of dollars. So I'm saying to you, every problem, every failure seemingly, every challenge is only a bump in the road. Oh my God. You didn't hear what I just said. It's only a bump. You know what a bump is? Bump. It's just a bump to help you get to that next level. God is looking to do something new in your life that you did not think was possible or available. God is looking to show himself. Hallelujah. I didn't know anything yesterday, last night. I got here this morning. Revelation said, did they tell you what happened? I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then she brought me to the sanctuary and I saw it. Listen, the same way God did this is how he's going to do yours. It's no difference. He wants to push us not to allow the first obstacle to stop us or the first no 
is not the last answer. Yes. The second no is not the last answer. The third no is not the last answer. Because God, who at sundry times spoke to our fathers in the past through the prophets, is now speaking unto us in these last days by his son. And as far as I know, his son never fails. His son never fails. His son never fails. Jesus holds all the keys and all the possibilities for the change you are looking for. They have no wine. Now, let me talk about that for a minute. Notice Mary did not come to Jesus and said, Jesus, we are out of drinks. No. You say, what's the difference? You say, what, what are you saying? No. She was laser focused specific. All this prayers that we are wasting our time. God, send me your blessing. What does that mean? What is your blessing? For one is a car. For another one is a house. For another one is a child. For another one is a husband. A wife. Why are you saying God send me your blessing? What are you saying to him? Because Jesus taught us and said, speak to this mountain. Specific. They have no wine. Not that they don't have drinks. They have no wine. Very, very, very specific. I told you last week, ask God what is your part, your role in this upgrade. How are you praying? God send me a blessing so I can bless the church. Wrong prayer. Wrong prayer. Father, I'm a part of your kingdom, your work. What are you asking of me in this project to upgrade? Specific. I'm looking for a job. God, give me a job. Really? Give you a job. Yeah, we give you a job. Go and dig ditches. That's a job. We are looking for ditches digger. That's a job. But you need to be specific. What expectation do you have of God? What kind of a job are you looking for? What do you want God to do for you? Don't just leave it out there in the open-ended dreamland where there's no specifics and therefore angels are confused. They don't know where to take your blessing or what blessing to bring to you because they have so many of them in their catalog and they don't know which one to carry first. Don't send confusion to the angels. Be laser, focus, specific. They have no wine. Two things about the wine that I want to say quickly. Number one, with the understanding of the transition that's taking place from the old to the new, from the law to grace, the first thing that wine represents to us is the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 14, when Melchizedek met Abraham on the way back from the slaughter, slaughter rather, we are told that Melchizedek offered to Abraham bread and wine, which were emblems symbolic of the new covenant. 
Jesus later said in Matthew 26, and again Paul repeated in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Jesus said, take the bread, which is broken for you, which represents his body, and he also gave them the cup, and he said, as long as you drink this, you do this in remembrance of me. And in that Matthew 26 chapter, he goes on to tell us that the cup they drank of was actually the fruit of the vine. And vine was the plant through which wine was taken. Okay? So the point here is, God wants me and you for time and eternity to, be rem- to know, to be reminded that all the possibilities that are available in Jesus and all the blessings he carries for us are only available because of the sacrificial blood that is shed. That is the foundation. There is a reason for which the very first miracle we did was turn water into wine. He wants me and you to remember every time you think of this miracle that it cost him his life to deliver for you. And that that sacrificial death, that atonement through his blood is the foundation for everything Jesus does. That's number one. Second thing about wine, we read in Judges. Uh, Judges chapter 9. I don't want to go there, but I'll give you the passage so you can read it on your own. Judges chapter 9, verses 8 through 13. The trees, there was a parable of trees where the trees were talking to one another. And they were asking them, are you uh, olive? Are you olive tree? Become king of rule over us? He said, "No, no, no, no. I cannot be olive. I cannot rule over you uh, because, as an olive tree, my role is to produce fatness that makes uh, that fattens the uh, heart of God." They came to the fig tree, rule over us. Fig tree said, "No, no, 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 no. I can't abandon my sweetness to come and rule over you." And then they came to the vine tree, and the vine tree says, "I cannot abandon my role and my job." where I make the heart of God and man glad. Amen? Amen. Oh, okay, here it is. Judges 9, 13. The prayer is working for the people in the back. (laughs) Prayer is working on them. So we need to be specific when you pray. Pretty specific. (laughs) Judges 9, 13. (laughs) But the vine said to them, shall I seize my new wine, which cheers both God and man, and go sway over trees. So right there we see that wine represents joy and gladness in the scriptures. So the absence or the lack of wine at this wedding means potentially that marriage was doomed to no joy. It was doomed to no cheers, no happiness. Because wine represents something that's very, very joyful cheering and make us glad. So Mary said, they have no wine. Jesus said, okay, I understand that. My blood and joy. Because apart from the blood of Jesus, there can be no joy. We can have happiness, but joy is a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. Gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control against which there's no law. Galatians 5.22. 
So number one, we know that he was invited. Number two, we know that Mary was very specific in her request or demand or, or prayer. Number three, in our observation in this miracle. Number three. Ha, let, 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 me, let me go to the passage. In John 2 verse 4, in response to Mary's request for wine, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, that's very important for us to see, especially that last sentence, when it says, my hour has not yet come. That, that my hour has not yet come is in connection with the fact that Jesus understood his ministry, his atoning, the work of his atonement that's yet to come. But the first phrase is, woman, what have I got to do with you? There are so many commentators that are talking about what, how Jesus rebuked her and that, 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 but that's not the case. That's really not the case. Because if that was the case, she would not go and say what she said in the next verse. But more importantly, Jesus used the word woman and not mother on this Mother's Day. Because he recognized that his connectivity to Mary must not be of the flesh. And her ability to place a demand on him for something must not be because of flesh and blood. You cannot say because I'm your mother, I have a need, meet the need. No. Because if that's what he said, if he said mother, then there will be denominations built today on the mother of God. I know, I'm going there. (laughs) And so Jesus said, woman, what have I got to do with you? Because he knew in time to come, Rome would build an entire enclave, an entire nation, an entire world around Mary being the mother of God that will be receiving worship and idolatrous uh, adulation. So he said, woman. So they will not be able to trace that back to Jesus ever putting Mary above any other woman. Because in the Bible, in the Bible in Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, Mary is blessed among women not blessed above women. Yes. Woo! You didn't hear that? She's blessed among women, but not blessed above women. So Jesus put her in her rightful place by saying, woman, what do I have to do with you? Because my hour is not yet come. However, you must give it to Mary. Because in this next observation, I think number three point I'm making here. She had a confident expectation that in spite of what Jesus said to her, she looked at the servant and said, whatsoever he says to you to do, do it. That's where Nike got it from. Just do it. Don't question it. Don't debate it. Don't argue it. If he said it, do it. Because it's in the doing that you find the manifestation. Unbelievable. Do you and I have confident expectation when we pray? Or are we like Zechariah? Who was praying and the angel came to bring the answer and he didn't believe? Not only did he not believe, he was afraid when the answer came. She had a confident expectation. So much as whatever he says to you, do it. Just do it. Just do whatever he says. Now, the question I have as I was reading this, 
how in the world did Mary know that Jesus will employ the cooperation of the servants? Because surely Jesus didn't need them. He could have made wine out of thin air. That God that rained man on them from heaven. That sent quails from heaven. You are not telling me you need a human being to create wine? Absolutely not. But Mary, in her intuitiveness and sensitivity to the things of God, even though Jesus said, my hour is not come, just said, servants, I heard what they said, but I, hear what, I know what I'm hearing. Yes. Whatever it says to you, just do it. This is where Psalms 103 comes in. The children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. Mary was not going on the acts of Jesus. The acts already told him, it's not my time. She secured and anchored her expectation on the ways of God. He knew, she knew that God will not come to a wedding. God will not be invited to a marriage that is having challenges, that's having issues and invite Jesus and Jesus won't fix it. It is not possible. I don't care what you are going through right now under the sound of my voice that you invite Jesus in and say, Jesus, I'm in trouble. I'm over my head. I'm sinking. Oh, I'm in deep, deep, deep trouble. I don't know how I got myself in this mess, but Jesus, help! All he's looking for is for you to give the helpline. And I'm telling you, help is on his way. So it's not so much Jesus is saying it's not my hour. As much as it is Mary knowing that God who created marriage and instituted a man and a woman to be joined together will not come to the wedding and allow them to be disappointed and fail. She knew the ways of God and invoked on that way and said, God, I know you. Every good gift, every perfect gift, they come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness. Hey, he's not here today and there tomorrow. No, 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 no. There's no variableness with him. Neither the shadow of turning. He does not say no to you and give you yes tomorrow. He does not say yes now and turn you to no. No, God is not a changer like that. It's an unchanging, changing God. Yes. Moses knew his acts. I'm not rather. Israel knew his acts. But Moses knew his ways. Yes. My friend, I'm telling you, if you and I will learn to know the ways of God, we will have God on our side every time. You never judge by what acts you're saying. We could have said yesterday, oh, the installer, he has to babysit. What a noble duty for a man to babysit for children. In fact, we'll send you some donuts and lemonade. Have a good time babysitting. You won't be seeing this today. You will not see the manifestation of God. Yes. You have to know the ways of God to understand that God will never, never, ever be like a man that should lie. Neither the son of man that they should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? How can we stand here on Sunday and tell you this is what we want to do? 
and you, moved by God, gave money towards it. And you say it cannot be done. Which God spoke to you to give? If he knew it was going to fail you and not have it done. Impossible. Say impossible. impossible. Say all things, all things are possible, possible. to them yes. that believes. Ah, you need to say one more time. Please leave before you say it. I want you to say, so, say it so loud. Let the deaf not get deaf. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Please, are you ready? Yes, sir. I want you to say it so loud. Remember the scripture, First Chronicles 29? David said, I'll prepare with my might. Passion. There's passion here. I want you to show your passion towards God's believing that the devil will have a heart attack. Are you ready? Yes. On the count of three. Three, two, one. All things are possible to God that believe. Hallelujah. One more shout. This is going to be different. Simple. Just say, I believe. That's all I want you to say. After three. Again, I want the devil to have to start using hearing aid. Hearing aid. Hearing aid. Are you hearing me? After three. One, two, three. I believe! Amen. 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 I mean, read the scripture. Mary did not tiptoe to the servants and say, in case he asked you to do anything, please do it all. Was that what she said? No. This is a sign to all mothers. My Lord. The first mother spoke to us and said to us, whatever he says to do, do it. She said it over 2,000 years ago and it's just as relevant today as when she said it. And the word to you now is whatever Jesus says to do, do it! No more grammar. No more argument. No more debates. Because it is in the doing. In the following that instruction that you get your manifestation. Whatever it says to you to do, do it. Now, number four observation here. I need to wrap this up. But I don't want us to miss this. In verse 6, John 2, verse 6, These are my people back there. They're they really working. I don't know if you guys are seeing this manifestation. <laughs> These guys, man. I, we should have been praying for them all along. I didn't know prayer works like this. <laughs> Praise God. John 2, 6. They, they, I mean, they are even ahead of me now. I need, to, I need to catch up with them. John 2, 6. Now there was said there. Say there. Yeah. See, don't miss all these little things though, in the scriptures. Now there was said there. Six water pots. I will not belabor this point. This is what I'm saying to you. Whatever your need is, it's already there. Yes. There in this case means in your house, yeah. in your hand, within your surrounding. Whatever the solution you are looking for is not going to be found from Israel or from Palestine or from Afghanistan, Australia. No, 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 no. It's within your resource. You have it right now around you. Yes. Jesus did not have to leave that house to meet that need. 
He just looked around. <laughs> There's no one. Okay, I can call you from heaven. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, which options are available? Okay, I don't have to Google this because uh, I've got it all down. In fact, Google was in me before it started. So, so I don't have to even do that. Okay, let me just look around here. I take a glance. I just glance the whole room, the entire hall. Oh, six waterfalls. They're already there. Everything you need is within your grasp. You don't have to leave your house. Everything you need for anything is within your grasp. It's already there. Now, I am not stretching scripture. I can show you example after example. The widow that Elisha supplied. Elisha got there. Madam, what do you have? I have nothing, but I will die. Ah, except a crucifix. Ah, you have something. Yes. The widow said, I have nothing except a crucifix. Ah, you don't understand. Yes. All you need is there. Yes. Say, all I need, all I need is, there. is there. Say, all I need, all I, need. I, already have. I already have. All I need, all I need is within my grasp. I have it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All you need is already within your grasp. He did not have to go outside to manufacture anything else. He already had it. <laughs> I remember Moses, the deliverer of Israel. God came and talked to him and said, Moses, you are my candidate. I'm going to send you to Egypt. You are going to deliver Israel from the hand of Pharaoh. <laughs> Moses, he wrote a long letter. My dear Heavenly Father, <laughs> if you just understand how bad is Tamara? If you just understand how delicate and complex the military of Egypt is. On and on and on and on. He's trying to convince God that he's not adequate. Wow. God will send you. How did God convince him? Moses! What's in your hand? I will not have to send you to Egypt to convince you. All I need is what's around you, in you, what do you have? What's in your hand? Ah, uh-uh, God. It's a rod. I've been using this useless rod for the last 40 years. In this back side of the desert. What possible good can come out of a rod like this? God, God do you need binoculars? So you can understand that this rod is just a flimsy rod. God said, really? Cast it on the ground. Let me show you that I'm bigger than who you are. Let me show you that in my economy, I negate everything and supply everything. Let me show you that I'm bigger than anything you've ever seen, known, or can ever conceive. He dropped the rod that is so familiar with for 40 years. Lifeless piece of stick. And the thing became a serpent. Hey! Which God is this? The supply for your need is within your grip. Right now, Father, I pray, open the eyes of our understanding to behold that instrument, channel, vessel of our supply that you've already made available in the name of Jesus. We receive it, we see it, we apprehend it, we are changed by it, and your name is glorified in the name of Jesus.
Unbelievable. Now, I don't want to get into the six or the water pots. I'd be here all day if I did that. Let me just move on. That will be for another day. Because I have a couple of more observations. So number five here is, oh, and by the way, I should not miss this chance to say, even the needs we have in this house for upgrade is in the house. Uh, it would be negligence on my part to say that the supply for your need at home is in you yeah. and around you. Yeah. And I'll remind you yes. that the supply for the needs in this house yes. is within the house. Yes. So the issue is just are you going to honor God and obey God or not? Amen? Amen. But I trust and I know and I believe that you will honor God in Jesus' name. Now, the question now is, if we know that God can throw the heaven, uh, man and from heaven, send quail from heaven, without human assistance, why now in this case did he get the servants involved in, in turning water to wine? Why did he do it? And this is where you and I can really, really get excited. Even though God does not need us. He does not need us. But as a father, nothing delights him more than to involve us and ask us and say, you know what? Join me in this enterprise. Because when you see the success of it, I am not going to be the only one in heaven gloating and just say, ah, I know I'm the many-breasted one. I'm the El Shaddai. I'm the Jehovah Jireh. I mean, I'm, me and the angels, that's wonderful. But I already know what I can do. Yes. I don't need your validation to know who I am. Yes. But for you, finite, frail, human being, when you see yourself involved in something that's succeeding, yes. not only does it bring joy to God, but it encourages you. So servants, you need to be encouraged. Yes. I'm going to invite you to participate in what I'm about to do. Fill their pots with water to the brim. Ah. Pastor Charles, Jesus is too much. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And this is why I'm saying that. The water pots that we're talking about is for the purification of the Jews. What's the implication? It's water pots that they fill with water that they normally would use to wash their hands and their feet. Nasty business. If you are looking to make wine in California, you don't use that kind of pot. That's the last kind of pot or vessel you want to use to make anything anybody will drink from. It's nasty. Constantly taking it, washing legs. Constantly. You say, that pot, that's nasty. That is useless for any other enterprise. You can't even drink from it. It will kill you. The nastiest pot in the house, fill it with water. Because remember what John set out to do? He wants to prove that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm the one that can turn a man that is a sinner 
a man that is vile, a man that is depraved, a man that is away from God, a man that is terrible, terrible, demonic possessed. I am the only one who can turn them inside out, make them right, stand upright, make them look good, make every oh my God, I'm the only one that can turn something bad into something good. Therefore, find me the baddest spot in the house and watch what I'm going to do with it. Because I'm here to prove to you, Jesus is saying that I'm the Christ, the anointing, the Son of God. And that's exactly what he did. Fill it with water to the brim so there will be no argument. To the brim, which means he can't hold anything else. Because we don't want the Pharisees and the scribes to come and say, ah, maybe they added a drop of something. And that's why I changed it. Refute the argument. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Fill it to the brim. Ah, by the way, you that filled it will be the same you that will draw it out. To make ironclad proof that there was no interference whatsoever but divine. So the pot water filled it to the brim and he drew it out. And now took it to the governor of the feast. Of the, of the feast. And the man tasted it. He said, this, you guys got to be kidding. What? I've been drinking wine since I was born. But I've never seen wine this good. Are you kidding me? Every man does the good wine first and the Worst wine when we've all well drunk and we can't even taste anything any longer than you bring out the worst wine so we can tell the difference. But in this case, what I'm tasting is so unreal. Are you kidding me? Where did you get this from? To show you the difference between man and God. Man starts well and in time and age degenerates. God starts small and in time becomes bigger, becomes better. I'm saying to you, your future is ahead. I'm saying to you, you'll be better than today. That I'm saying to you, God will cause you to make progress. I'm saying to you, your beginning days may be small, but your latter years shall be large. In the name of Jesus, because the hand of God is upon you, you will not fail. You will not go backward. You will not go down. You will not go under. In the name of Jesus, success all around you, because the hand of God is upon you. In Jesus' name. That's what God does. That's what God does. Now, God invited those servants so they can participate in the joy of the blessing. One word I don't want to fail to mention, especially for me and you, in practical application. What you put in is what you're going to be able to draw out. Water, biblically, represents the word of God. Ephesians 5.26 So as a man, a husband, as a woman, a wife, as a child, whoever you are, whatever input you put into yourself is what you have the ability to draw from. So the point here to us is, what Jesus is saying to me and you right now is, be sure to fill yourself 
with the word. Not ESPN. Not Lifetime channels. Because when you are in need, Lifetime channel cannot help you. Kobe Bryant, as brilliant as he is, cannot help you when you are in need. You need a full deposit of water, the word of God, in you. So that when your need comes, you can draw out of it. Please don't be careless, people. I don't want us to just come to church and celebrate and say, hey, praise God, I had a good time. What's a good time? What does it mean? The Bible says, let the words of Christ dwell richly in me with all wisdom. When it's time for a wisdom withdrawal, it is what is in you that's going to come out. How are you going to know what's in you? As you face life, what's your point of reference to determine that life right now? Do you quickly jump into the flesh and discern what you see with your eyes and say this is what it is? There has to be a word for it. Don't be careless. Don't be careless. Take the time to fill yourself with the word of God. In the past, we used to say, well, King James English is too, is does thou, all this English, I, I can't memorize them. Thank God. God heard your cry. Yes. He gave a message translation. He gave you NIV. He gave you New Living Translation. Now you have no excuse. Yes, and in time, he may give a text language uh, message. Yes. So you can memorize the, the scriptures in text language. And now you, ha- you have no excuse. So the point I'm making is, be sure that you're full of water. Not H2O. I'm talking about Logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Be filled with the Word of God. And therefore, when there is a need in your life, that Word that fills you will answer for you. In Jesus' name. Now, let me just say this. And this is the closing point now. Remember the story? There is no wine. Jesus worked a miracle. He supplied wine and the joy was restored to that marriage, that situation. Is that correct? This is what I want to take home with us. Jesus employed human agents to be the instrument of restoring joy to other people. What am I saying to us? You and I today are the same instruments that God is going to be using to speak a word in season, a word of grace, a word of empowerment, a word of encouragement to all around us to begin to help us bridge the gap and help us to begin to reconcile the differences and help us to encourage one another and restore the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. We are the servants that produce that wine through divine ability. And I'm saying to us today, take that as a word with you. Yes. When you talk to your brother or your sister on the phone, be a source and an agent of encouragement. Amen. If they're going through a problem, let God use you as a servant to bring restoration of joy into their lives. Speak a word in season that will encourage them, that will empower them, that will bring joy to them, that will lighten the load in their lives. Remember that. You are Jesus' mouth. You are his hands. You are his feet. Do your ministry. As you do your ministry, that joy will be multiplied in Jesus' name. Amen. As your Father, we thank you this morning for the liberty and the opportunity that we have to be your agents 
We thank you for your assurance of the supernatural supply. Nothing that we lack, nothing that we need that you've not already supplied. You are the grace person. We embrace you. We believe you. We thank you. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment now. I'm going to pause. I don't know what need you came here with today. I don't know what lack is seeking to uh, express itself in your life today. I don't know what situation you are looking for God to remedy. But right now as we pray, just remember that one or two things. Very specific. Whatever it is. Very specific. Now invite Jesus into that situation. Invite him as a solution. Ask him to come in. Ask him to touch, to move, to express himself, to bring solution. He is the solution. He is the answer. And we thank him for being so. And so, Father, we thank you for the answers. And in days and weeks and months to come, we will come back and give you a testimony of what you are doing in our lives because we've invited you in. We bless you now, Lord God. And we praise your name forever because you're a great God. Thank you for being all sufficient in every area of our lives. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.